You're listening to the David Bumble Networking Podcast. Very good day interviewing a lot of Cisco engineers. We discuss all things networking, CCNA, CCNP, CCIE, Python, automation, the books, the exams, the future, your career. Another long day at Cisco Live. We talk to the authors, the experts, the leaders, and people like you and me. David Bumble coming to you from Oxford in the United Kingdom. Now, here's your host, David Bumble. Hey everyone, it's David Bumble coming to you from Cisco Live in Barcelona. Very excited to have the boss of DevNet with us. Suzy, welcome. Thank you. So great to, to be able to talk to you. And one of the things we were talking about, you know, preparing for this is you're very technical. You've got like 40 patents, I think, to your name. 50, sorry. <laughs> Wikipedia needs to update the entry. So you like extremely technical, but now you've moved into management. So isn't that a bit of a sellout or, you know, what's your experience? And I'm just kidding. So what's your experience of that? And what advice can you give someone? Yeah. Uh, you know, so first hide, uh, hide all the networkers, hide everybody that's out there. Um, yeah, it's interesting to go back to that part of my life because I was a technologist, I was a researcher, I was writing code, I was actually in the area of multimedia. So I was developing multimedia technologies, video compression algorithms, video streaming, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but then there came a point where actually what happened was my manager left. And so when my manager left, then his boss, so my kind of department manager, and was like, Susie, do you want to be a manager? And I was like, no, no, I don't want to be a manager. <laughs> and then he was like, no, come on, okay, do you want to be a manager? I was like, no, no, I don't. And so then he went around, and then later he comes back. He's like, do you want this guy to be your manager? I said, no. Do you want this person to be your manager? I was like, no. He's like, okay, you're the manager. Oh, that's so that's how I got into it. And now, arm twist. Uh, but it was interesting because, yeah, there's like selling out. Like, I'm a technologist. Like, what I do is technology. I never aspired to be a manager. And then, you know, how do you go about it? And here's some of the things that kind of came across in my mind where it was and things that I've learned and things that I've appreciated is that, you know, you would say, like, why would like what can you do if you become a manager? And, and some people actually and want to. Right. Well, it's interesting to be a technical leader because what happens is you realize and I was actually doing this before is there's what you can do as a technologist yourself, right? And you can go ahead, you can be the best, you know, most badass technologist and deliver all these things and really top of your game and everything. Um, but then to be able to bring together people and to get the capabilities of a team out there, right? So then all of a sudden what you're doing is you're multiplying because then you make everybody perform at their best you make everybody perform together at their best. So it's not that it's just a collection of you know five people, it's actually a team of five people. Then it turns into a different thing and you can have an entirely new level of impact. And I was like, am I selling out my technology? Or actually you can continue to use your technology as, a cap as like a differentiator for you. Yeah. Because it's like, well, how would, how would a manager come in and do this who didn't know what they were doing technically? There's actually great things they could do. But if you're a technologist, you are a technical expert, then you have to get up and like, actually, you have that knowledge with you so you can actually lead in a different way. You know, but there's some things you need to watch out for because when you're leading, you have to realize you know one area well, you don't know all the areas well. Uh, you also have to realize that someone might do things differently even in your area than the way you would do things. And so you have to be open to more ideas. You can't like over rely on the area that 
your your technical expertise is in. Good point. Um, so you know you start to really you need to change your mindset, and I had to change my mindset to realize that okay I'm trying to bring out the most in this team, and um, it's kind of like you know, like right now when you solve a technical problem, then you're like, I'm going to get into this. I'm going to solve this. I'm going to figure out how this works with that and try to understand this, see it in new perspectives. But what you have to do is you have to start to make the people your technical problem. Yeah, that's true. Like when you start to see, how can I make this person work with that person? How can I actually shift this person who has his head, you know, really headstrong trying to go in this direction to realize that this other direction is important too and do it in a way that's very respectful of that expert in their area and then really get these things going. So, but, you know, I would recommend you only go into that leadership position if you will take on the responsibility of making those people successful and making their team interaction successful to reach that next goal. If you're like, oh, this management stuff is bullshit, I do the technical stuff, you're not ready to be a manager. But you have to be like, I'm gonna take this seriously and my job is how to architect this team and these people and what they do to build a much, much bigger result. Then you're ready to go and do it and try it and you need to put your heart into that. And you mean, that's what you need to be thinking about at night is just, how do I get this team to really hit the next big goal? Like, what are those next big goals? How can I get ideas from all of the people on the team to leverage what they're doing to add up to a bigger result? That's, that's fantastic advice. I mean, I think the proof's in the pudding. And that's why I'm really happy to talk to you because DevNet, and you, you, you give us a story, but I, I, from what I've seen, it's five years ago or so, it, it was you and it's grown to quite a big team now. It's a very successful team. And what I've noticed being here is how cohesive they are. They like have a single vision, like just what you've mentioned, you know, getting people to work together. So can you give advice from your success to someone who's perhaps dealing with difficult technical people or, you know, how, just how to get it, and I wouldn't say difficult technical people, people can be headstrong, I think it's like you said. How, do you, how did you manage to get them to work like this? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, thank you for that. And one thing is that, I have an amazing team. Sure. So when I look at just the different members of the DevNet team, we are such a diverse team. We have all different backgrounds. We have people who are like super technologists, you know, developer advocates, know their field. They can like give these great presentations. They know how to understand and solve customer problems. We have people who are designers and developers who are building out the platform that DevNet runs on, you know, the digital systems, doing the analytics, even creating the web pages. We have people who are working with the business units, trying to understand their needs, you know, getting their APIs in. We have people who are running events, who are, you know, figuring out how to work with marketing. And we have people who are marketing as well. Um, we have developer support, documentation. So we have this whole kind of eclectic group of folks. and. Uh, and yet we've built this amazing thing yeah, together. Um, and some of it is that it looks cohesive and not, um, and that, and what I mean by that is it's messy inside sometimes, right? And it's, you know, we'd like to say, oh yeah, it was all planned. We all do it this way. It's so smooth. This team's work with that team and then this and, you know, but what happens is we have like internally, we have a lot of um, great innovation going on. Like, and what happens is then different people have different ideas and sometimes we clash with each other. And then what we need to do is like get together to get those ideas together and then figure out 
the direction that we want to go. And of course, we're doing all of this to drive bigger goals as well. And so I just wanted to say that because like internally, yeah, sometimes we do actually bash heads because we have different ideas of what we want to do. People are more difficult to manage than equipment. <laughs> but no, but it's, and it's, yes, and it's Can wonderful you? and it's, it's wonderful people. Yeah, um, sure. But I guess like the approach that we have, and, and by the way, I love it that way because we're pushing each other, yeah, right? So true. the reason that you get different ideas is because different people know different things. They have different ideas of what they want to do. And again, because my team's so diverse, I don't have anyone who is an expert in marketing and an expert in, you know, data center networking technologies and an expert in UX design and building out, you know, software systems. So just everybody's different and they bring in something uh, different. But what's cool is that, um, and amazing, is our whole team is super dedicated at the mission of helping our developers be successful and growing our developer community, making sure that any problem that our community has, that we can solve it. And so they're just dedicated at making that work and then also every member of the DevNet team then knows that they can be creative in thinking about how can I use what I know to make something happen. And what I and let me just give you some examples. Yeah. Like so we have some people like you know, when you go to they have people who've been in Cisco for a long time, everybody's worked on different projects in the past. Everybody has different connections. Yeah. Um, DevNet's been around for seven, for five years. I've been at Cisco for seven years. So when I started DevNet, I'd only been at Cisco two years. Practically everyone on my team had been in Cisco longer than me, and they have all sorts of connections throughout. And what's cool about the way we've done DevNet is everyone's empowered to go out and use their connections, and what we've done is like figured out what we need to do. So someone like someone who runs developer support has worked with other support teams and documentation teams in the past and runs a forum with them to get them to do developer documentation and to help with support. Um, we have people who are working in different product teams, so they know how to get those engineers and product managers in and working with us. We have people who have been in marketing for a long time and they can reach out to the different marketing groups and others. We have people who were former SEs and they can work with all of the SEs. So, um, you know, really everyone has pulled in on their knowledge and their connections. And the thing about DevNet is the success of it is not actually what my team has built, the people who report to me. It's them plus the whole extended community around us. And that was important because we weren't just doing waiter, but it's the fact that the SEs have trained up on DevNet. And then now they're out, they've created an SE Tiger team, a DevNet Tiger team, where they can go out and give DevNet Express sessions. You know, like the business units themselves are creating API architecture groups that then work in with us and develop things, um, you know, with marketing, with, with all of the different functions, we actually have different groups. So my team is actually only 70 people. Okay. And uh, I don't know if that seems big like impact. a lot, well, uh, you know. Seems a lot bigger than 70 people. Yeah, well, those big are the that's right. And it's because the 70 people report in, but I can't even put a number on how big our virtual team is because what we do is we've used, you know, the, we've leveraged the 6,000 SEs that are across Cisco. We've actually also leveraged the community, and that's where I'm so thankful that for the community because the community comes in and they teach DevNet courses. It's not just my guys teaching it. People report to me. Our community comes in and teaches. And so um, 
our community comes in and solves other developers' problems, right? Our community gives us ideas, so I actually consider them part of our team as well. So um, it's all about kind of getting that bigger leverage and, and things there, you know. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's brilliant. I mean, what I, I find amazing about a lot of the people I've met is how humble they are. And you, you're the same, you know. There's a lot. You don't take all the credit. You give credit to everyone on the team and the greater community. I mean, we don't have a lot of time. So it's from what you've told me, it sounded like vision is really important. So just tell me, like, how did you... Any, any tips for someone who needs to guide people? And I was joking about hard-headed people. I mean, I can be hard-headed. You oh, know, hard hard-headed. You have to be. You have to be. <laughs> so, so how do you get them to follow that vision? And do you have any resources that you can recommend someone, like books or anything that helped you in your sort of journey that they can, find, they can use? Yeah. So... Um, yeah, everybody's hard-headed. <laughs> and in fact, I recommend that everyone be hard-headed about some things. Yes. Yeah. But you have to be willing to adapt and know when you need to pivot and yeah. know when you should not <laughs> be. Yeah, um, but like what we were hard-headed about is about Cisco needs a developer program. Yeah. If Cisco's going to have a software strategy, they need a developer strategy. We need to be about taking our community of networkers, ensuring that they are the heroes in software so that they can take on the world of automation, so that they can really solve big problems and they're not gonna be like out of it, they're gonna be the ones leading it and driving it. Okay, so that okay. we were hard-headed about. You, you managed to, sorry, you managed, sorry, but I just wanted to interrupt and say you managed to get network engineers who are perhaps anti this on your side. <laughs> Well, yeah, they were, but why were they anti this? It's because they didn't have a path, you know, and, and they were scared. Um, there was the threat of software-defined networking and then the threat that these little software jockeys were going to take their jobs yeah. and all of that. And that was five years ago, and that was when we started. And then it was just like, it's not going to work that way because a software developer is not going to even have the goal of, like, I want to run this network operation, keep it up, you know, <laughs> with, you know, you know, 100% of the time when it goes down, I'm going to get up and I'm going to fix this thing. I'm going to figure out how to make it secure when new things come on, when there's big outages, when a threat comes in, I'm going to take care of it. That's what our networkers do. Like to get, that's amazing what people do and all of the technical expertise that has been built up. So the, the main thing was like, how do we get these guys who have this power, this expertise, like all of you, and make sure that they can keep using that same energy and power in the next generation when we have software network systems, like a layer of software on top, software control, policy, like capability, security. And so this was actually the vision that drove us is that we believed in our community, but going out, you know, in the internet, you could learn about software anywhere, but to do it in the way that our networkers needed was the key, yeah. you know? And it's like giving them the path and this is how you do it and here's in a way that's useful. It's not hype and these are the tools yeah. that you can, and that's the way we did it is like, we're not out just doing kind of fluffy, like, oh, you need to do this, build a solution that can help digitally transform. I mean, like we give those talks too, but we're just like, here's coding one, coding 101, here's the tools you use, use GitHub, use Postman, you know, come on and, you know, use these things, make your first API call, go and do it to a network automation system where you can set, you know, get your network devices, see the inventory, set the QoS of that application. 
like we just wanted to make it real and that's where all our courses are just real and kind of useful things that that people can do um, so yeah. I just I wanted to ask you sorry the resources oh, that the you resources, had yes okay yeah, yes I'm sorry we kind of diverged yeah, but uh, but okay so uh, well like back to the team thing one thing is just create a strong vision yeah. and then when people have different ideas you know we, we all believe in that vision so at that point we need to align and then respect all of the people. When people have different opinions, like we need to respect and hear it out because chances are you'll learn something. And then together we create, like this is what the offering is gonna be. And at some point you make a decision, like the big thing we're gonna do here this time is have a new start now zone. Yeah. You know, so our learning labs and our workshops and our escape room have been you know, useful. The new thing is now the start now zone. So what we do is we kind of you know, rally around these types of things. Um, so that's how you get kind of crazy teams with different opinions, like respect it, get through it, but then make a decision and make people align. Um, but in terms of the resources, so there's actually a couple that I like personally, and I, it's going to go back to just the part about, you know, you as a leader, is when I was, um, I, I, there's this book called Now Discover Your Strengths. And some is like Strength Finder 2.0. It's by Marcus Buckingham. Um, there's actually new versions of the book and everything. But if you go to that book that's called Now Discover Your Strengths, what it has is it has all of these characteristics, which are, could be your strengths. And you kind of read the book and one says like, oh, your strength is you're empathetic. Like when you see other people and the team's not working, it freaks you out. You want to make the team comfortable. Like that's what you do. Or you're like the competitive. Yeah. Like so you're the one who's like bring on the competition when you kind of get this, you know, you can't do that. You rise to the occasion and yeah. you show them that you can do yeah. it. So, you know, like everyone has different strengths. And then this book is really nice because it gives you a little story and then it lists what the, about each strength, like a little story, like, and then you can say, that's me. I get it, right? Um, and then what you'll find is there's these 22 strengths, but a few of them are you and many of them are not you. But the most important thing that that helped me with was not actually about understanding myself, but about understanding other people. Because I remember there were some people who was on my team. There was like a person, you know, it, I used to think that everybody would think the way that I was. Like, I liked being independent, having space and doing my own thing. Some people actually want direction. Like, just give me the direction and then let me do my thing. Don't micromanage me, but let me do my thing. And, you know, I was a researcher. I like to do things myself. But then it kind of was like, oh, I have someone who wants to be told what to do. That was interesting, and that was um, something I had to learn. And then there was someone who was really like more of a loner, wants to work in his own area, didn't want to work with anyone else, but I valued teamwork, and I needed to like bring some stuff out, but I needed to understand what he was about as well. So to me, this book actually helped me understand what drives the other people. And by doing that, I could understand them and work with them better. And I think even if you're, whether you're a manager or not, in any case, understanding other people and what makes them tick and realizing that what makes them tick is different from what makes you tick is an important thing. So, so, uh, so that's uh, one book. And then the second book that I love is, uh, and this is if you do aspire to go up the ladder, is there's a book called Leadership Pipeline. Leadership Pipeline. Leadership Pipeline. And what it does is it has, it, it does these kind of turns in your career and where one is like your individual contributor and then you become a manager, you know, and then what do you have to do at that turn? What are the things that are different? And then you're a manager and then you become a manager of managers. 
And then at some point you become a director or a functional leader or an executive and you're, you know, you're kind of playing bigger roles as you go up. But it actually gives you the shift that you need to make at each chapter. And so, for instance, if you are um, an individual contributor, then you're used to like, I need to do this, I need to make myself succeed. And then when you become a manager, then you have to realize more that it's about the team, that you know you need to change your mindset. Here's the pitfalls because you could get stuck in your own thing and kind of go back to your comfort zone or you could do these other areas. When you go to become a manager of manager, things change again, right? So you kind of have to elevate. And kind of what happens is you have the book and what's useful to you is the turn you're at and maybe the one before and after it. You know, because you get to the higher level ones, you're like, oh, that, you know, that one's not meaningful. But, you know, it's kind of like meaningful at your little stage. So that little chapter and those chapters surrounding it are pretty interesting. So, I, so I'd recommend those, you know. And I just want to say just to all of you is, you know, you're developing your technical skills, your capabilities. But please do think about your careers and think about, you know, how you progress there. And if anybody wants to talk about it or discuss it, you know, come to one of these events, find me, find my team. Like we want in DevNet, our mission is to help our developers be successful in their businesses and in their careers. So anything that we can do to like give resources to help all of you for that is something that we do want. And I want that to be part of DevNet. So, um, so please do continue that conversation. Susie, I know we've run out of time. I just want to say thanks so much. Thank it's really you. great to meet you. And thanks for spending so much time with me. I really appreciate it. Everyone, hope you have a great day. Thanks to Susie for you know, DevNet and everything she's done to change the industry and her team. So wish you all the very best. Susie, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Be sure to visit David's YouTube channel at David Bumble, where you can subscribe and watch all of his videos. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Catch you next time on the David Bumble Networking Podcast. All the best. Take care.